Welcome to Upfront with me, Simon Jordan. This episode is something slightly different. It's the best bits. When I was asked to do this podcast with William Hill, I wanted to have people with strong opinions that could stand them up under proper scrutiny. I wanted a people with a range of backgrounds from different sports to find out what made them tick. One of the most robust conversations I had was with John Barnes about discrimination and whether our national game was institutionally racist. And I wanted to explore this complex and pejorative subject in great detail. You equate the lack of opportunities mm -hmm. that you had through managerial not just me. Not just me. But let's just deal with you. No, no, let's, no, no, no. Let's no, deal, because, let's deal because with what you're first. doing, and then you'll say, then you'll say, oh, because you failed or whatever. Forget about me. Because you have. Oh, look right. at, look at, do you think? Put it this way. Put it this way. Do you think? And I love Frank. Frank Lampard. Yeah. You think with Frank Lampard's record, if he was black, you'd be given opportunities? I don't think he should have been given this opportunity. But he is. But why would but he, he have been? Let's talk about Celtic. Yeah. Exactly. Do you really believe, as a result of your career, well, that you haven't got jobs because you're black? What would you say if I told you, and you can Google this while you're here? that I have a better win percentage than Steven Gerrard at Rangers. I believe you, and I've looked at your record. So so, so why was I not given longer? I don't know, you're gonna tell me, I hope, because a 65 percent- <laughs> Well, I suppose I've been telling people the last 20 years, and every time I say this, they go, well, you Because everybody, me. me included, mm. me included goes, well, if you want to have role models in football, if we're gonna make this argument, because we used to have this argument with Ian Wright mm. about role models, some of them might wanna be successful every now and again. Mm -hmm. Like John Barnes, he had a chance at Celtic. And then I go and look at your record and go, well, that's not right. He got a 65% win record, and then he got this moniker of losing to Inverness Caledonia, Inverness this or whatever it was, you know, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. gave the super Celtic or atrocious yeah. or whatever mm. it was, right? Well, what, A, why were you given the job? Yeah. And then B, why were you taken out when there's a 65% well, win record, job, which is not bad, is job. it? I was given the job because Kenny, Celtic, Kenny had faith in me. Yeah. Kenny had faith in me. So my 65% is not great for, for not great, but Steven Gerrard's 64 is great. That's why he got the Aston Villa job. Yeah, which I said he shouldn't have got, by the way. But regardless of whether his experience he should have got or not, yeah. people say that that's not bad. And if you look at other people's records. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why are, and you know, black managers who are given jobs. Yeah. What I say about black managers, I'll never say, what I should say is that black managers should never come out and black people can't because we have to have humility, unfortunately. Oh, because I don't think there could be a black Simon Jordan. Why not? Because it's, you're too opinionated. And if you're a black, you would get slaughtered more than you get slaughtered okay. now. 100%. Do you think? And, you think and a female. You think you could have, what, a, you what, think you what, could have a black why do you think Boris that? Johnson? Why, why, why do you think that when you've got you've got 25, 16, 17% of the cabinet made up of, of black and minority ethnics? You've got 7, no, talking, 8, 10% no, 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 of no, no, 100 no, 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 These no. are influential people these are, are speaking these out. These are the elite. I'm talking about the character. You can't have a female Simon Jordan because women aren't allowed to be that way. Black people aren't well, allowed to be Well, Karen Brady's allowed to be this way. Because she has lots of money, and how does she have lots of money? No, not necessarily because she, no, come on now. You can't just give an answer that, she had to go on a journey to be accepted. I mean, the one thing that Karen Brady could never and have once, got was a And once again, I mean, once again, you know what we can woman, do? And, and of course, and you know what, we had Obama as well. Isn't it great for black people, but a black prime minister? You can't give individual examples and then say, oh, well, women are okay, because look at Karen Brady. Well, I can look at Lorraine, people look at Lorraine Rogers. Then of there was course, a tragedy. It was okay, great. You can give three I can look or four. At Anita, I can go you can, on and listen no, to successful women. You can't. Like you just mentioned Margaret five. Thatcher. Like you mentioned five. Black, Theresa May. Oh, oh right. We so, can keep on talking keep about going, successful keep women. Going, keep going. Anita Roddick. We can keep on talking about successful no, women. No, we're not successful women. I'm talking about the characters but of them. But their, the their characters character of them. is what made them successful. So, how many have you mentioned in terms of how many white men have there been who've been successful? And how many black men have there been been successful of that ilk? You tell me that if, if if Obama had the character of Donald Trump, he would have survived. Or 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 if Rishi Sunak, forget about Rishi Sunak, like like Boris Johnson. Yeah. So therefore, white men are given longer. 
and given more leeway to be arrogant, to be whatever they want, and because they're go-getters, aren't they? Right. If you're black, if you're female, then you can't be that way. And this is this is this is obvious. So well, it's not obvious. So, it's obvious to you. It's obvious it doesn't feel obvious to me. But it is not obvious because, because I, you're not offended. You're not affected by it. Well, well, I, I I'm as affected by uh, someone that's arrogant or confident or assertive as the next person. But I'm not affected by arrogant and assertive and confident uh, and people. Once again, and I don't and care once if they're again, black, white, I'm not or talking green. about you. I'm talking about society. Society would not but accept. I, I, I society think I'm would not accept. No, you're not. Society. society would not accept a black Simon Jordan. Prior to that recording with John. I, I took it upon myself to read his book, The Uncomfortable Truth About Racism, because I wanted to make sure that when I was debating with John, I'd availed myself of his particular point of view rather than being entranced in my own. Another person that I was particularly interested in interviewing was the former number one women's tennis player, Victoria Azarenka. I first met Victoria in Qatar when I was over there for the World Cup. Uh, and when spending time with her, I found her perspective to be very strident, but very interesting, but also far more encompassing than you normally get from sports stars. Specifically, as a Belarusian athlete, she was obviously very plugged into the situation in the Russia-Ukraine conflict, and she had very strong views about her experiences as an athlete as a result of that. So when I spoke to her in this studio, I asked her what the tour had been like ever since Putin's invasion of the Ukraine. Oh, well, I mean, it's, uh, I think the last 18 months have kind of shook the world. I think myself, you know, I experienced that quite, quite heavily. I, I cannot say uh, more heavily than any Ukrainian players because, you know, my, uh, there's no bombs flying mm. into, into my house. Um, I am very, as I told you <laughs> in Qatar, it's it's very emotional, very, very emotional thing for me. Um, I feel really sad. I feel really bad for for so many innocent people who are struggling. I've, you know, my actually not many people know that. my dad's my dad's side, I am also half half of my side is Ukrainian. Right. my name. Is not Azarenka, it's Azarenko, okay. which is actually a Ukrainian name right. as well. But, and I have so many friends in Ukraine, have family in Belarus. I know so many people in Russia. So I've never, I wanna speak about Belarusian people. I've ne I never felt much of difference when I grew up. Cause as I always used to go to these tournaments when I was a kid, we would, go to to Ukraine by train there and back I've met you know many 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 players and it never felt like we are too different different countries it, yeah. no, it yeah. really it didn't it didn't feel like that ever to me we they have their own language we have our own language you know s slight differences in but no I, I couldn't really feel like there was any dif difference even when I went on tour Oh, and I would see, you know, Ukrainian players, Russian players, Belarusian players. We kind of all spoke. It's, right. it's never been. And this, you know, this war just divided that, like, divided nations so much. And I can understand why. Of course. I, but, as a, but as a sports star, it's being visited, the sins of other people's choices. You, you know, it's an immutable scenario for you you were born with a belarusian passport mm -hmm. you live in america you've lived in america for a very long period of time um 
and by the very nature of your passport, you were banned from Wimbledon last year. How did you feel about that situation? I was very clear from the beginning, and I'm very, very clear for the last actually 18 months. For me, what's important is about helping people in the difficult situation. And what can a person and organization can do to help people in need? Me, myself, I'm one person, and I don't need to scream and shout on how many things I've done since this last 18 months yeah. to people to help, because that was always my objective is who can I help? How can I help? But you situation? were unhappy about Wimbledon starts though, weren't you? Well, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, that was a good move. Yeah. I'm not sure it achieved anything. Maybe some people think otherwise. I thought that there were better situations, how to handle that, how to handle that. And I was on part of being proposing those. I thought that donating prize money to uh, humanitarian aid, which I said that I would, right. and I've got about seven players, top players to agree to, to, to donate that. I think that would have been a lot more helpful. It would have shown unity that people do want to help. And that's what, that's what, was, what was important for me from the beginning. It's not something I spend a great deal talking about, but having had panic attacks and ADHD, I found this particular conversation incredibly intriguing. Somebody who has contended with significant mental health challenges yet still competed at the top is darts player James Wade. I always knew something a little bit strange of me as if from ever since I've, I can remember memories of, like what I spoke about earlier, fitting in school and not fitting in and fitting in with people and not fitting in. Um, I didn't fit in with with many things. But when it all comes ahead was, I think it was 2009, I got a scaffolding company to put scaffolding around my house. And I knocked, and this is no no exaggeration, I knocked the back wall off of my house, like put props up. Um, and I literally knocked the back, back of my house off. Um, I started taking the roof off. And this happened in a real short space of time. And my manager at the time, he said, what, what, what the fuck are you doing? I went, oh, I'm having an extension. He goes, James, you can't have an extension. I said, why is that? He goes, you've got no planning permission. You spent most of your money. What are you going to do it with? And I went, I'm just going to do it. And that was at the point where I was just, I'd just gone off. I wasn't even in this world, world or world, worldly. Th I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. wasn't thinking. And who like, took you to where you needed to go to be able to be properly evaluated? Um, my dad, which is my dad never... Me and my dad aren't like that, so I wouldn't didn't want to go to the to anywhere. And then I, after people talking to me for for a long time, probably two or three hours, they managed to convince me that if I'm not going to go to there, will you go to the priory? And I didn't know what it was, and I said, okay, I'll go. And then just as I was about to go, I said, no, I'm not going. And then my dad just said to me, "Can I take you?" Yeah, and I was like, um, I try, yeah. Um, yeah, and no, I was, um, so yeah, I got in the car with my dad and I went there and I just said, this is a load of, load of crap, isn't it? Along those lines. And he went, I said, what do you think? And he went, I just want my son back. And that was, yeah, that was, um. The beginning of a journey. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, yeah, that was when, but then when I got there. 
it was like a relief because then I knew there was something that wasn't quite mm. right. And I knew there was an answer to it. It wasn't me just being awkward or, which I am very awkward, ask anyone that knows me. It wasn't just that. It was, there was a reason for me being like I was. And as soon as that was discovered, it was like a massive weight off my shoulders. There's nothing wrong with being awkward. I'm a fully paid up man no. with the awkward squad myself. Yeah. yeah. So no problems there. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was, that was how, it, how it all come to light. And it was probably the best thing I ever did probably the best thing I've ever did because by now I would have ruined every because you know where you're going and you know why had. you're going that way yeah and I know yeah. why I'm doing it and I, I, I people can help me people can help me now and I can help myself which that's yeah. the biggest thing helping yourself absolutely rather, rather than just burying your head in the sand and just carry on being as you are you can kind of catch light and you think I'm in a dark place and when you catch that bit of light you think that, that's why I'm doing this and I know what to do mm. rather than going right down Hoping the tunnel. mechanism yeah absolutely yeah. A lot of the athletes I've spoken to have been very open about the adversity and in certain cases the trauma that they faced. Most of them have been able to use these negative experiences to drive them onto success. Troy Deeney is one of those that's experienced these things both as a child and in his case as an adult when he ended up in prison. The long and short of it is I, I talk about the incident because I feel you. I have to because it's part of my journey, yeah. part of my story. But I am also always conscious, and, and I'm, I hope you don't mind me using the platform, there was a victim on the end of it and a family on the end of yeah. it. And I don't ever want it to come across that I am glamorizing it or yeah. anything of that nature. So I just wanted to just, just get that in because I feel like if that was my kid, I'd be absolutely fuming that there's somebody yeah. talking about it yeah. and he's being considered. Lionized. Yeah, considered yeah. considered great. I think yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I'm um, not framing it that way. No, though. no, but I'm no, just I'm, saying. No, for I'm, any... I'm, I'm I'm being blunt with you about yeah. it, and you're being honest about your views on it. Yeah. And if you've reached a point or, or reached a point at the time that you realize that there was someone on the receiving end of it, that's and, why I'll, I and ultimately you're a high-profile footballer, and people are going to say, "Well done, you for coming out of prison and surviving and making a success of your life." And the mm. person that got the kick up the ass and all the trouble that they had as yeah. a result of their interaction with you is sitting there thinking, "Well, who was the victim yeah. in this?" Exactly. 100%. Yeah, no, I, I, I get yeah. that. You described it as the worst experience, mm. but the best thing that's happened to you. Yeah. I think I know what that means, but mm. I want you to tell me what it meant to you. The night of that incident was the day I found out my dad was dying. Yep. So, again, not trying to make any excuses. Say the heads would have said, stay in, have a cry, have a few sherbets in the house. Younger Troy, I'm going out, I'm going to get bladded, I'm going to forget about the world. And everyone knows, because I've said it so many times, bury my, da my dad on the Friday, yep. go to jail on the Monday. Yeah. So I'm mentally not in a space yeah. of, just I'm, I'm, just I'm just surviving yeah. at this yeah. point. I'm just getting through it. And then obviously you go to a jail. I didn't, I didn't go into a, a soft jail to start with. I was in a proper jail and, you know, people let me know that I was, a, I was an idiot. What was the club's reaction to you? I'm, I'm the most luckiest man alive because Lawrence was selling the, Selling it to Gino at the right. time. So in that spell from the season ending, me going to jail and the season re-picking up where Gino Pozzo and the Pots have only bought the club and all of the players, if you remember, 46 players came in in that mm. summer. Nobody looked and went, where's the number nine? Right. Because there's just so much to yeah. go on in terms of training ground. All of, you know, all of the yeah, infrastructure yeah, yeah, that yeah. happens. Uh, and by the time they'd got round to saying, well, who's that number nine? Because Mat Matty Vidro wanted number nine. Yeah. And he went, well, who is that? Oh, he's in jail, but he'll be home in two weeks. Yeah. And it kind of got to that point where it's like, well, let's just let's just see if we can get some money back for him, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but yeah, 
in terms of the experience, it was it was awful because I needed to figure out who I am. I realised that financially I had nothing behind me, um, about ten grand worth of savings and mm. a shitty car to to show for it in 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 the area that I was from. And then yeah, you know, makes you grow up. But the best thing that happened was I had to go to therapy. That was part of my, one of my conditions, right? And that got me into the space of talking what about kind of therapy. Uh, at the time, it was drug and alcohol abuse, right? Because that was part of my um, my stipulations to come out on tag. I had to do right. five hours worth of that. But it also got me understanding and thinking myself, and it also made me stop. One thing that anybody, and I'm sure your your family would have said if you asked him, you've got nothing but time in jail. Yeah. So to reflect. Yeah, and you're. I'm sat there for the first couple of days was like 22 hours in this cell with a fella I don't know. Run the bunk bed, the, the the shitter's there. Yeah. Like all my ego and all of the yeah. the, the, the the gravitas of what being a footballer is, is absolutely been stripped away. away. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, is is this what it is? And there's a reality that hit you. Thankfully that hit me and thankfully even more, I was able to start taking that in. And um, yeah, it just, I just said this will never happen again. And everything I always said that my dad had did to me, it, uh, yes, he was physical, but he left me so many times going in and out of jail that I had to grow up on my own. Yeah. Well, I've just left my two-year-old son there. So I'm mm. no better than the man I was saying did all this to me because I'm doing it to him. Let's go from the raw honesty of Troy Deeney onto my attempt to get Frank Warren to be truthful about Tyson Fury's next fight. Frank was attempting to detail Tyson Fury's next fight against MMA star Francis Ngunu as something vaguely meaningful. I just wanted him to be honest. You can't possibly be telling me that Tyson Fury fighting Francis Ngunu is a game changer. You yeah. referred to game changers the other day. This can't be what oh, you were just explain to. why it's a game changer. We just we just now work we we now are promoting in Saudi Arabia. How is it not a game changer? We're not reliant on anybody else. We actually are having events on. We're putting the events on. We're not sitting around waiting for, oh, let's wait now and, and let everybody be held up to next year. We're putting an event on. The reality is we're doing a show in October right. in Saudi. So your game changer. The biggest show. But and it's a game changer as far as they come. And as regarding what you're saying about is it a game changer, yesterday on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, come on, gonna, are you going to use social media as a blueprint for making well, you're it? You're using it. No, you say to me, have you seen what they're saying on social media about this fight? Kind of it both ways. No, I haven't said that. I've be said, careful I, what you wish I, I, for. No, 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 be careful what you wish for. I've not, I don't give a monkey's what they say on social media about this fight. I think it's a dog with fleas. Okay. I don't think the WBC champion of the world should be in a position where the WBC give all this old fanny about he's a special kind of champion. Shall we give him special... Nothing to do with him. Yes, they did. They said that. Marisha, well, then why hasn't he been made to have a mandatory? Sorry? Why hasn't there been a mandatory line because up for him? Because the two guys who were ordered to fight for the mandatory not fought. Because well, they're waiting. Move them out of the way. Make another mandatory because, then. Because they're waiting to see what happened in December in Saudi. Deontay Wilder weren't fighting until then. But it's, that's why. But it's poor. Now they're negotiating. It's poor. Well, it's my Frank. fault. It's poor. It's though, not isn't my it? fault, is it? I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at the fights that are being made out there. We listen to Tyson. And I know that you and I discussed Tyson on a number of occasions and you know that I come from a position of admiration for Tyson Fury. I don't agree with a lot of things that come out of his mouth, but I do, I, I do regularly campaign for the fact that generationally, I think he has the, he's the best fighter around. But go, going back to the point around this fight with Francis Ngannou, what, what I want you guys to do 
is I want you to be honest. Uh, right, let right? me because, be honest. Because you, a lot of you are not honest, right? You call it, you say one thing is this and it's not. This is not about Tyson Fury, the WBC heavyweight champion of the world. This is one thing and one thing only. This is a money fight. This is the biggest event I've ever been involved with. That's how big it's going to be. Right. It's huge. And it'll make a lot of money. Yeah. It's just a money fight though, isn't it? Okay. There's no credibility in it. It's just a money fight. Well, well, let me finish. It's going to have a lot of eyeballs on it. And you've got the best, the lineal champion, and you've got the the number one heavyweight in UFC. Yeah. Right? The guy in UFC decides he wants to fight. So fine. I haven't got a problem with that. The fight's made. Sam Jones, who looked after at the time... Joe Joyce made a statement yesterday saying that Joe Joyce actually sparred with him and he had eight rounds real tough, tough sparring with him. Now, I don't know where he can... I know... I've watched... I'm not, I'm not a UFC fan. I don't watch it. But I've watched it over the last couple of weeks and this I'll fellow does... And this fellow wax. Yeah, I'm sure so he does. what's he going to do? He's going to come in the ring... I think he's going to get his ears, gonna get his ears boxed off well, by Tyson Fury. If, 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 right. if he does, he does. That's his choice. He's getting paid a heck of a load of money. But let me tell you something. It's a massive, massive, massive event. The biggest event out there. Yeah. It'll break box office records. I think often there's a lack of pundits across the board that are able to have strong opinions, but more importantly, stand them up. One pundit who I do admire is former cruiserweight world champion, Johnny Nelson. And it's safe to say his rise to the top was not without challenges. When I drew with Carlos de Leon, the journey was people who I didn't know in the street speaking about me in a, such a drug deterrent. Well, why did that bother you? Total, strange, bothered, total yeah, strangers. But, but, but you know what? It, it wasn't one. It was two. It was three. It was four. And they made it quite clear, you know, they, Nelson's such a wanker. You'd, you'd pick up a newspaper. Kept seeing cartoon jokes about about the fight. I think the best joke I saw was a guy was in a coma for 10 years and they put the Carlos de Lee and Johnny Nelson fight on. He woke up to turn the TV off. To go back to sleep again, and and so and so quite I funny, like, though, it? it was yeah. funny. But what I'm saying is, so but at the time I'm pretty sensitive. So mm. at the time I'm thinking, you know what? That's somebody's son you're talking about. Yeah, that you're talking about somebody. So little things like that. I know what, if you're not into boxing, I'm saying to you, I'm saying this broke me. I want you to understand how it makes you so paranoid about everything and everybody around you. I had sponsors like knocking on my door left, right and centre saying, we want to give you this, that and the other. The next day, I, so my mum's house was a council house. I thought with the money, I'm going to buy her house for her. That's my first thing I'm going to buy. Mm. I bought a house for her and the next, about a week or so after the fight, I phoned the guy up that was all over me before the fight and I, he was going to put all double glazing in the windows and everything. And he gives you the high hat. And he said, uh, I said, hey, it's Johnny, I, I, when are you going to send the lens around to uh, fit the windows? He said, did you what? He said, you've got no chance. I'm embarrassing with that. What kind of shit was that? Mm. He said, I'm sorry, son. Proper straight like mm. that. You'll pay like everybody else. Mm. From being so nice and so respectful and so all over me before. And I, I, I can remember that phone call. I thought... But it's good though, isn't it? Because yeah. what it does, it wakes you up, makes you realise that the only yeah. safety net in life you've got is and your that's own why arse, I say, right? yeah. That's why I say it was the worst and best mm. stage of my life because I'd realised what human nature can be like. And I realised how, how don't be suckered in, don't be mm. fooled by, by what you see. You know, there's many types of love. I love you when the sun's out. When the sun's down, yeah. and things are going bad. I don't want to know. Well, it's the um, it's like the um, the rainbow. It's the umbrella and the sunshine effect. When the banks, when you've got lots of money and you're being very successful, the banks will lend you lots of money. Yeah. When you've got no money and you need some money, they'll not be there. It's they called the umbrella know. and the sunshine and, effect. And, and, so, and, yeah. and that's what. So after that, and he's and then once I start to make some money in boxing, 
and even now when when people are saying i want to give you these these gloves i want to give you this track so i take it do and i give it to everybody in the gym because i because what doesn't make sense is why would you sponsor somebody that's already got money that can afford it and not sponsor a kid that's got nothing but that's the irony of it. It. but that's the irony of it isn't it when you're the person with the most money in the room i found that everyone wants to buy you a drink and you're yeah. the person that leads the needs to be least bought yeah. a drink and that's why i never took and I, when i was with the football club and other businesses people want to throw things at you i never took anything from yeah. anyone because i never wanted to be beholden to anyone yeah, but, yeah. I never wanted anything from yeah, anyone I know, and Sam, I was going to get there because of myself and that's why, so now Sam and I'm bitter at these people that I saw a nasty side of I'm not going to say then, you said you're this. not bitter now are you uh, no 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 it made me think to myself I'm not going to be rude to you I'm not going to be disrespectful to you I know who you are you don't have to yeah. I know who you are so therefore what it got to a point when I had stuff and then all of a sudden they think I've developed amnesia oh we want to give you this it's probably the greatest thing that ever happened yeah, to you yeah it was because it taught you a lesson about the reality exactly. of life exactly now now you asked me about that that eureka moment for me mm. and mine was I was spying with um, with the world light heavyweight champion and I just battered him Fabrice also his name was I just battered him in the, in the ring it was raining I remember my mum getting paid £100 a day and um, and now my confidence has come thinking, you know what, John, you've been all over Europe. You're handling these boys. Water, it's pissing down with rain. And and my bed set I'm staying at is across the road from the gym. There's a white limousine outside, stretch limo with a driver in, and a beautiful mixed-race woman sat in the back with a little white poodle. I've been there a few weeks now. I'm like, so this one, like, damn. Anyway, so, so I smiled and she smiled back. She wasn't smiling at me. She was smiling at the Fabrice because it was his missus. And 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 he said, see you tomorrow, Johnny. Tapped me on the shoulder and got in the car. And I stood at the, on the side of the road and watched his car drive off into the distance. And I'm in the rain. And I'm watching thinking, what the, what? I've just battered him. Mm, and he's and in he, that. And he's oh. in that. And I'm I'm walking mm. there to, the, and, and so that point there, I said, Johnny, what is the difference here? This, and listen to me, when you're a sparring partner and you're on your own, your own, you talk to yourself a lot because mm. you've got to have a conversation with yourself to, to prepare yourself to get in the ring and it's like a fight every day. And I said, Johnny, well, the difference between you and him is this, he can perform in public, you can't. Get your shit together. And that was my eureka moment. I thought, I am never going to lose again. And so, and from that day onwards, I thought, the day when I lose, I'll, I'll be done. From one pundit I admire, to another who ironically couldn't cope with my robust questions while sat in a radio studio with me. Despite that, Sunes is renowned for his forthright opinions and leadership qualities. Both of those were on display when we discussed the Man United captain Bruno Fernandes. He is obviously not a leader. It's as plain as the nose on the end of your face. He is not a leader. His attitude when they went 3-0 down, down at Liverpool was appalling. I agree with you uh, that that's not leadership in any shape or form, the way that he reacted to the adversity, the way he appeared, he denies it and says that I wasn't looking to come off. But the whole kit and caboodle from I'll pushing lines through at the time, to, Simon, you would not want to be in the trenches with him. Simple as. What can you imagine that Ten Hag is thinking as a former manager by doubling down with the whole world? Everyone looked at that that Bruno Fernandes situation. And everyone came to the same conclusion. Everyone came to the same conclusion, except the fellow that actually makes a decision. I think that is another example of modern management. Uh, the, the tail wags the dog in football today. And there's only one one club in the country right now where that doesn't happen. That's Man City, where the manager is all powerful. But the manager is is the, the boss in name only. He's, he's thinking Fernandes is a good player. Fernandes, you'll see, be a star when they're on top and they're on the front foot. 
and he's creative and he is a real talent. And he is a real talent. Mm -hmm. But he showed a side to him that day at Anfield, which is very unattractive. But this, the manager man you have right now is willing to overlook that because he knows going forward that he will win him games, he will score him goals. But in, the, in his head, the manager's head, he will know the first time I come up against a really difficult situation again, is he going to go missing? And I think the manager knows the answer to that. I'll be back next week with another sports star who's led his field. I'll be speaking to Stephen Hendry, where I found out about his remarkable career, his remarkable achievements, the people that influenced and controlled his destiny, and also the debilitating circumstances that brought his career probably to a premature end. Upfront is brought to you by William Hill. To keep up to date with all the episodes, make sure you follow the podcast on whichever app you use. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.